Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. We read the entire account last week, but we're just going to focus in on 10 and 11 for the next three weeks. When they, that is the magi, the wise men, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense or incense and myrrh. We began this series last week uh, talking about the greatest gift, Jesus. We really wanted to look at this one small story of these magi. These magi from afar, from the east, who spent time and effort and energy because they saw a star in the sky. We talked that faith and belief are birthed in evidence, but that we have to take a step, and that is sometimes risky for us. And we said that these magi, they were risk takers. They worshipped by being risky with the Lord, by taking a step forward for the Lord. And when they took that risk, they were then um, met face to face with this child king, this baby Jesus, this Messiah whose birth had been foretold. And we said that their response immediately was that they bowed and worshipped him. And so we said last week, what can we do in response to the greatest gift in this season? And not just in this season, but in our entire lives. And I said to you, this is a series about giving and generosity, but really it's a series about worship. It's about what do we, what do we worship? What carries all the weight in our life? What is the most valuable thing in all of our lives? And if we stare correctly, at this story, we will know that the Savior, Jesus Christ, is the greatest gift. And because of that, we can then respond. And so the next three weeks, we're going to talk about our response to this child king. Just like the Magi responded in worship and in bowing of knee, they also gave three gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And like them, we're going to talk about three gifts that we can give back to the Lord. Time, talent, and treasure. And so today, we're going to talk about frankincense, all right? Frankincense. Now, I know we've got a lot of frankincense experts out there, so this is going to be quite boring for you. Um, but for those of us normal people who don't know much about frankincense, let's talk about frankincense for a bit, right? Frankincense... Um, is a really fragrant oil. It's a gift that the Magi would have seen as a unique and beautiful gift. And our frankincense for today is not an essential oil. Although you can still, if you're into that thing, you can go buy buy frankincense essential oils. Looked it up this week. It's very expensive, by the way. Okay, so um, it can be bought still. But we're going to talk about a much more tangible, unique, and beautiful, fragrant gift called talent this morning. Our fragrance, our frankincense for today is talent. 
I want to go a little further with this idea of frankincense. See, this, um, th- there's a tree that frankincense comes from. It's called the Boswellia sacra tree. And from the sap of this tree comes a fragrant oil. And it's, it, it's just this beautiful tree. If you look it up, uh, look up, uh, Google frankincense trees and you'll get all these beautiful images. They're very unique. They're very hard to find. And out of the sap of this tree is made this incredible fragrant offering, this beautiful gift. And it's unique. And these trees themselves, they say, are very unique. You could, you could look at many, many frankincense trees and they would not all look the same. They'd have different branches and different ways they grew and, and they would produce more sap or less sap and they would, they would be in different places and different um, times and different sizes and shapes and they would be in different heights and, and, and they would be in different widths. They would be different, right? They would be different. They would be unique. And they would produce something that is fragrant and wonderful. And this morning I want to pose to us this. Our talents are like frankincense. They are a unique and beautiful gift. And they're the only one that you can give. See, this is what I want to get to the heart of this morning. I think we all have talents to bring to the king. I think we all have something to bring before the king in this season and not just in this season, but each and every day. I think like the wise men, we have frankincense that we can bring as a fragrant offering to the Lord. And so today's verse is this. It's found in Ephesians 2, 2 verse 10. And it says this, for we are God's workmanship or your translation might say handiwork or craft craftsmanship. We are created by God. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which were, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's craftsmanship. We're his handiwork. We're his workmanship. You, you get this picture of um, someone in their workshop crafting and making a beautiful masterpiece, maybe a table or a chair, working with the wood, crafting it, sculpting it, making it into what it needs to be so that it may serve the purpose that it was made for. And we are the same. Rick Warren, I wrote a book called Purpose Driven Life. Anybody read this book? Anybody? Good book. Great book, right? Um, He retitled it uh, so he could sell more, I think, um, (laughs) called What on Earth Am I Here For? The Purpose Driven Life Expanded Edition, okay? Um, And I have some uh, copies of the first, I think, like nine chapters in the back as a gift for you today if you want one. Uh, If you've never read it, really simple book, really great book. It's just a little pamphlet version, a mini version of this. And if you want the full version, I actually got a couple of those. But you have to come talk to me and then I'll give you one of those. Here's what he says. You are not an accident. Oh, this is so good. Listen, you are not an accident. Your birth was no mistake or mishap, and your life is no fluke of nature. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. He was not at all surprised by your birth. In fact, he expected it. Long before you were conceived by your parents, you were conceived in the mind of God. Can you just, can we get around that right now? Long before you were conceived by your parents, you were conceived in the mind of God. He thought of you first. 
It is not fate or chance or luck or coincidence that you are breathing at this very moment. You are alive because God wanted to create you. God prescribed every single detail of your body. He deliberately chose your race, the color of your skin, your hair, every other feature. He custom made your body just the way he wanted it. He also determined the natural talents you would possess and uniquenesses of your personality. Because God made you for a reason, he also decided when you would be born and how long you would live. He planned the days of your life in advance, choosing the exact time of your birth and death. God also planned where you'd be born and where you'd live for his purpose. Your race, your nationality are no accident. God left no detail to chance. He planned it all for his purpose. Nothing in life is arbitrary. It's all for a purpose. See, you were created for a purpose. You are God's workmanship, right? Before you ever had God in mind, God had you in mind. Before you ever had God in your heart, God had, God had you in his heart. And so we are God's workmanship created in advance. Created to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. And I want to take the rest of our time, a few minutes here this morning, just to unpack what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for us in this season? If we're uniquely crafted for specific purposes in this life, what does that mean for us? And I want to talk about snowflakes. Anybody else want to talk about snowflakes? It's amazing to me that it doesn't matter if you're like atheist or whatever in this town. Suddenly you want to pray for snow when it's not around, right? (laughs) Oh, get around the bonfire and pray for snow and sacrifice old skis to the god of snow, right? Suddenly everybody loves some god when there's not enough snow. And I love snow just as much, right? I got out skiing um, first time this past week. Loved it. Had such a fun time. Can't wait for the season to get better and better and better. Um, But I want to talk about something we have in common with a snowflake. Something that we have in common with a snowflake. And that is unique crafting. Unique crafting. See, I don't know how much you know about, about... you might, you might not be an expert in frankincense, but you may not be an expert in snowflakes, okay? And neither am I. But I Googled it, and you can learn a lot out on Wikipedia about snowflakes. See, snowflakes are just water droplets, right? That begin to form up in the sky, up in the clouds. And when they gather and when they reach a certain um, weight and temperature, they begin to what? Fall. And as they fall, they are formed into like ice crystals and they join in with other ice crystals. And based upon the wind um, and the temperature and how things are, are going as they fall down to the earth, they shape and form until they hit the earth. They shape and form until they hit the earth. And you know anybody like that as well? You're like a snowflake. You are like a snowflake. And the beautiful thing about the snowflake, other than the picture, look at this. Look at that. That's a picture of snowflake under a microscope. The beautiful thing about a snowflake is that um, you may have heard that no two are exactly alike. And that's sort of true. 
I think it's a one million in a trillion chance. So that's like a one with 18 zeros behind it, I believe, right? A one in a million trillion chance that there will be two exact, exactly alike snowflakes, like identical snowflakes. Um, but, but here's the thing. They're uniquely crafted. They're uniquely crafted. And, and the, the statistics on this are just simple. It's really hard to find two identical snowflakes, right? They are uniquely crafted and beautiful just for the sake of being beautiful so that we can ski on them, so that we can compact them together and hit our friends in the face with a snowball and so that we can build uh, hills and we can put our sleds down them. They are built for this specific purpose. They are crafted and created until they fall down to the earth and then they are a snowflake on the earth. See, we are, we are built just like this. Like um, the human body, right? We've got eyes. We've got a lot of eyes in here, right? We've got noses in here. We've got brains in here. We've got hearts in here. We've got lungs in here. We have similarities in here, right? Some of us are about the same height. Some of us are not about the same height. Some of us eat a little, little more at Thanksgiving. Some of us didn't eat a little more at Thanksgiving, right? We are uniquely shaped and crafted just as God would want us to be shaped and crafted. And there may be other people who look like you. There may be people who have the same last name as you. There might be people, there might be a doppelganger that lives in Germany that you don't know about that looks exactly like you, right? But they are not, they're not you. So there's nobody who's you but you. And God knew that and he created that and he crafted that. He created you and there is no other you. Even if you're an identical twin, there is no one you but you. And so, the question is, what if you were created specifically for a specific purpose? What if all of this comes together in the fact that you, you, you were created for a specific purpose, specifically? I know for those who like grammar, that's terrible grammar, don't even care, okay? Just want this word in your had this morning. I want us to think about what would it look like if that's how we engaged with life? What if you woke up tomorrow morning and thought, I have been created specifically today for a specific purpose? What if we thought about the way that we interact with our coworkers and we said, I have been created specifically for the specific purpose of of interacting with my coworkers. What if I've been given the neighbors I've been given so that I may specifically love those neighbors in a specific way? What if I've been given the family or the kids or Big Sky, just living in Big Sky? What if that was all, what if that's all part of God's plan? What if it was all meant to happen? What if we were supposed to be here at this very moment, hearing this very sermon? What if, what if this was all planned and prepared in advance for us to just step into by God? How would that change our day tomorrow? I want to talk about it in real tangible ways. I'm going to um, use this example for the next three weeks. Uh, because we have something really beautiful in our church. Um, we have, uh, Don and Diane Lunston have been going to Uganda uh, through the Uganda Orphans Fund uh, for quite a few years now. And so in the last couple years, we have um, sent a couple teams with them 
And we just uh, had a team that got back. Um, and they had a, a fantastic time. I got some highlights from Don this past week. Here's some really fun stuff. Um, they played with the kids and played with the kids and played with the kids and played with the kids. Right, Ross? <laughs> you play a lot of playing going on, right? There was a dance contest that that team Big Sky won because of Krista Borsma and Matt Doherty, I heard. Because of the two of you and your powers combined. That is a talent that I did not know you had, my friend. Um, I, don't, I don't yet have the video. I was really hoping I would have that for this morning. Um, they taught classes. They uh, taught on Sunday. PJ preached on Sunday. Um, they took 40 kids to the dentist. They helped work on two uh, wells that were broken and not working correctly. Um, they did a whole bunch of work and painting and helping and loving and, and they were there for a specific purpose and they were specifically wired for this. And, and I want to highlight for the next, um, couple weeks, this entire trip, because I want to, I want us to embrace this ministry as a church, even more than we already have. Um, and I, I want some of you to go next year to this place, right? Um, I'm really feeling a strong pull on my heart that this is something we need to invest in as a church. And I want to tell you just one story this morning. And I didn't tell Matt that I was going to tell the story, and that's okay, because he's my friend and he'll forgive me. Um, I want to tell you a story about bicycles. So, so it's hard to see up here maybe, but like... One of these things does not look like the other. That would be Matt, the, the ginger up there. <laughs> and uh, he is the very pale, pasty one, right? Okay. He is um, fixing bikes in the background, right? With all these kids all around him. All these Ugandan kids all around him, right? And, uh, and this is just such a great picture for me. Because if you know Matt, Matt is kind of like a tinkerer. Right, he um, he's been wired this way. You, you talk to Matt, and you're like, "Hey, man, um, I got something going on with my car." He's the kind of guy who's like, "No, oh, let me look, pull it down to the shop. Let me take a look at it." He's like, uh, "Hey, man, um, my my gun is not shooting correctly." He's like, "Oh, let's take a look at the sights on, on on the rifle. That's probably that's just a crummy scope you got on your rifle. We'll fix that. We'll figure it out." The, he's that guy, right? Like, I've said this before, zombie apocalypse, he's on my team, okay? We're going to survive mostly because of him, and I'm going to cheer him on the whole time, right? <laughs> because he's handy. He, he makes things work. If you've been around Matt at, at any point in time, you know this about him. Some of you are like this. Some of you like tinkering with things. Some of you like taking things apart. You don't even know why you like taking it apart and then just trying to put it back together, Right? And see, Matt has been wound in a specific way for a specific purpose. There's more talents that Matt has, but this just catches me. This is the second trip he's gone. And this has become really a big, huge piece of his specific ministry in Uganda. And for all of us, we would think, well, it's just bikes, right? Man, for these kids, it's, it, it's like a mode of transportation that they may never have had. Like, this is a big deal. They get a bike to ride around the village in. This is a huge deal for him. And so Matt 
he accrued a bunch of tools. I'm pretty sure he had like just one bag full of tools. Like it was very heavy. Uh, he garnered some donations from some folks here in town. And he said, listen, I'm going to go fix some bikes in Uganda. I need some tools. We're going to go and we're going to fix bikes in Uganda. And, and as I was preparing this sermon, I just thought, this is the picture. See, Matt is not here on accident. He was created in advance to be there fixing bicycles, offering this little talent that he loves to tinker and work with things and fix things. And yet look at what God is doing through him. He is, he's putting smiles on kids' faces. He's allowing them a mode of transportation, transportation. He's letting them know more than anything else that they're loved and cherished by someone. He's giving them value. He's not giving them bicycles. He's giving them value in life. And this is our picture for this morning. Because you have a seat up against a wall with somebody around you. And I don't know what that wall is. I don't know where that seat is. I don't know who those people gathered around you are. But I know that God has in his heart and in his mind this picture for you as well today. See, this picture isn't just for Matt. This is for all of us because we have been created specifically for a specific Purpose, And I want you to lean into this idea. What are you good at? What have you been gifted with? What are you like? I just, I'm just weird because I know more about snowflakes than anybody else. Or I know a lot about frankincense, right? Like what, how has God wound you up? How has he created you and crafted you to bless the world and to bless himself? See, that's the big question this morning. The big question this morning is this. How am I gifted to bless the king? How am I gifted to bless the king? The, the magi, they came walking in to the baby king and they offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They, they offered him specifically what they had for that specific moment. The little drummer boy in the song that we sang, right? He offered his little drum to Jesus. The, the little boy who had five loaves and two fish offered Jesus his Lunchable, right? Um, Throughout scripture and throughout time, God takes little things and makes them big. God takes people who are hesitant, who are scared, who don't think they're gifted. He takes a guy like Moses who says, uh, 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 God, do you want me to be um, your, um, your um, mouthpiece? Um, I um, have a uh, problem with that. I don't speak so good, right? And God says, no, 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 I'm going to use you to lead my people out of slavery and into the promised land. See, he uses even, even bad gifts. Right? Even gifts that are just inconsequential. Gifts that just don't even seem like they matter. I mean, one of the greatest gifts that he uses is just the gift of willingness. Yes, here I am, Lord, send me. A lot of people have prayed that prayer, and God has changed the world through them. And so how are you gifted to bless the king this morning? How are you gifted to bless the king? When you kneel before the king, what do you have to offer to him? 
be it big, be it little, be it whatever. What do you have to offer the king? Um, and, and really in a practical manner, some of us are like, I don't know. Right? Don't raise your hand. I don't know. That's okay. I th- man, I wake up a lot of days and I'm like, I don't know what I got for you, God, but specific purposes, specific day. I hope it, I hope it works out, right? Um, I was telling, I was telling my, uh, my nephew this story at Thanksgiving. He said, Pastor, he said, he didn't call me Pastor Brian. He just called me Uncle Brian. He said, Uncle Brian, um, hey, so how did like speech class go for you? Because like, that's what you do. You speak a lot now. And I was like, funny story. Funny story, Willem. My first uh, speech was in high school. I had a little uh, postcard type 8 by 10 or whatever, little teeny postcard. And I had to get up in front and just talk about me, like my eye color and my height. And I got up there and I said, hello, my name is Brian. And I started, no kidding, I started doing this. I started just fidgeting and unbuttoning my buttons. <laughs> Seriously, this is what happened. And, and everyone started doing what you're doing and giggling. And you're in, we're in high school, freshman year speech class, okay? And before I get too far with this, the teacher's like, hey, hey, stop. We got, we got problems here, right? Well, I couldn't gain my composure. And long story short, the entire class ended up standing behind me while I stood at the podium with my little card sharing a few little things about myself from my very first speech. And I stand before you today, and I haven't gotten a lot better, but a little, right? (laughs) See, God takes what? Little we have, and he makes it into something. He takes specifically how we were wound, even if we hesitate in it, even if we don't think we're good at it. He takes what little we have, and he transforms it. So how are you gifted to bless the king? Practically, um, I'm totally doing this. Uh, Strength finders. This is awesome. Um, If you want to talk to Alan Johnson about this, he will talk to you for a long time, like days. I I think he required his family to take this before vacation at one point. Anyhow, um, that's another story for another day. So I've taken this test a couple times as well. And there, there's all kinds of these kind of tests out there, and they basically can measure like what are what are you gifted at? What are you? What are your strengths? Like, where, how has God made you and crafted you in this? Let me read this list. It's great. Um, achiever, activator, adaptability, analytical, arranger. Any arrangers? Man, I need one of those for my office. Um, belief, command, communication, competition, connectedness. Consistency, context, deliberative, developer, discipline, empathy, focus, futuristic, harmony, ideation, includer, individualization, input, intellection, (laughs) that's the wrong one to mess up, intellection, okay, learner, maximizer, positivity, relater, responsibility, uh, restorative, self-assurance, significance, strategic, and I like this one, this last one, woo, winning others over. See, what are you good at? I mean, you can take this little test, you buy this little book for like 10 bucks or something, take this little test, and it's going to tell you, hey, here's what you're good at. Here's how you've been gifted. Here's how you're like a snowflake, like nobody else is like a snowflake. And because of that, here's what you can 
do. Because I've taken this test a couple times and I've learned like strategic is, is really high on mine. Like I'm one of those weird guys who actually kind of likes meetings. I do. I like sitting around in meetings and like picking people's brains and seeing how things should work and trying to make decisions together. Um, I, I, I'm an achiever, so I, I like to see us like make a tangible difference. Like, man, I'll tell you what, one of the best things in the world is putting in a yard of sod, like, like putting, like going from dirt to sod and green grass in one day. You're like, yes, we have achieved, right? <laughs> My third one is belief, which is probably pretty important for you as your pastor. Um, we'll just leave that there. You can take these and you can learn about how God has crafted you, how God has made you his workmanship, and how he has created you for the good works he wants you to do in advance. And then, um, once you learn about that, and some of you don't even need to take this, you already know, you're like, I'm good with numbers. Okay, great. Let's find some ways to work with numbers, with people who need to work with numbers. I'm great with working with my hands. I'm like, I can fix things. I can make, bi- I can fi- make bicycles work. Good. Let's make some bicycles work. Hey, um, I'm really good with finances. Good. Let's, we're going to do a financial peace university in the spring. How about you lead a team for that so that we can get better at financing and budgeting and so that we can um, not know where all the money just went away, right? Like, we can learn things together. We can grow. And I want to just encourage you to think about this individually, like in your home, in your community, and in your church. In your home, in your community, and your church. How am I gifted to bless the king in my home? How am I, like, whatever my home looks like, whatever my roommate situation looks like, how am I specifically made to specifically love and care for and nurture and give my gifts to those in my home? How am I uniquely crafted to love those in the community? One of the things that I do is coach basketball. Um, I coach middle school basketball, which is like every year I'm like, why am I doing this? Okay, like, but like, I love basketball. I know basketball. It makes sense to me. It's that strategic part of me, right? And, and, and I get to love and disciple kids who are some a part of this church and some not, right? So in your community and then in your church, how can you love and serve your church? I gave you some tangible ways already. We can just do simple things like give to this, right? Some of you are like, dude, I got a box of algratin potatoes at home. I'm specifically gifted for specific purposes today, right? What can you do? Welcome team, kids ministry, leading a home group or a Bible study. What can you do? How are you gifted to bless the king? I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and lead us in one last song. So frankincense... Frankincense is a fragrant and beautiful oil that was presented to Jesus. So fast forward into Jesus' ministry a little bit, and Jesus is sitting around one afternoon with a bunch of religious leaders and a bunch of disciples. And in through the door comes this woman. Now, everybody knows that this woman maybe has a little bit of a history and a little bit of a past. And they're like, why is she here? And in her hand, she has this little, this little jar, this little bottle with, with fragrant oil in it. 
And she walks into the house, and you can almost, you can almost as you read this story, hear the hush in the room. Like, what is, what is she doing here? What, what is this all about? And, and she, she takes the bottle, and, and because it was such an expensive bottle, it, it, it probably cost her a whole year's worth of her wages. She, she, she actually breaks the top off of it because it was such an expensive bottle that it was actually sealed at the top. She breaks the top off of it, and she begins to pour this fragrant oil all over Jesus' feet. She knows that she's broken. She knows that she has very little to offer. She begins to take her long hair and wash her, wash the feet of Jesus with her very hair. And I just love this story because it reminds me of me. Like, broken and like a lot of times in my life ashamed and, and nervous that God won't accept me and worried that he doesn't actually love me and like things haven't gone well all the time and I, I can picture myself walking into this room as this woman, everyone turning and going, why is, why is he here? Why is she here? And I can imagine saying in my head, like, if I'm just going to offer you the, whatever I have, Jesus, I'm just going to offer this little bottle to you. It's, 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 I've been saving up a long time, Jesus. This is a very specific gift to you. And I'm going to break the top off and I'm going to pour it all over your feet. And I'm not even worthy to do that. And then I think about the smell. Can you get there with me? Like, close your eyes. Think about this, okay? Like, can you imagine what the room smelled like as she is washing Jesus' feet with this incredible aroma? It just must have, it must have filled up the room. It, it must have filled up the nostrils of, of the disciples. It must have filled up the nostrils of the religious leaders who are secretly judging her. It must have filled up the nostrils of Jesus himself. We are that woman. And we are called to respond. And our response will be a fragrant offering. Stand and sing.